The views expressed in our episodes are ours alone and do not represent any other organizations. Our episodes discuss internet crimes against children and cases that involve the exploitation of children and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Welcome to Catfish Cops. Welcome, everybody. My name is Brandon Poor, and, and with me... Tony Godwin. Tony Godwin. And last week, we brought to you an episode about Mr. Kane. Ricky Kane. Ricky Kane. So, Tony's case with Mr. Kane, um, if you'll remember last week, uh, within the first day, Tony and Mr. Kane uh, were talking about some of the sexual things that Mr. Kane uh, wanted to either teach or describe or experience with what he believed was a 13-year-old female. So in talking with Tony uh, as a 13-year-old female, Mr. Kane not only gave us new terms to look up in the dictionary, <laughs> exactly, but he gave us great referenced material from straight from a medical book on how yeah. to know the anatomy of the female um, sexual organs and how they work and what an orgasm and all that stuff, if you'll remember. Yeah. Um, and something that we don't see often and probably haven't seen since is uh, Mr. Kane sent Tony a photoshopped child sex abuse material image. Yeah, and we call that simulated, uh, simulated imagery because obviously it's a real image of a child involved in a uh, very graphic sexual depiction. And so what he did by superimposing my face onto this image, which really threw me for a loop, you know, yeah. um, initially, but so much so that you didn't even, that you didn't recognize it at first huh? Yeah. And I just said, Oh, she looks a little bit like me. And it was one of those, Oh, well, look again. It is you. It is you. What, and, what, what? <laughs> and I said, you never had that since, right? Nope, never had it since. I heard about it way back, you know, like they used to talk about uh, things during training and exercises and things like that where this, you know, could happen. And then some other things called steganography, I think is the term. Yeah, where, where things are hidden it, inside. Things are embedded into other, you know, images. things like that. Images are embedded into other, you know, um, types of files and whatnot. But no, this was a first for me, and and so while I so there's a charge for that, right? We're not just like, oh my gosh, we've never seen this before. Yeah. There's a charge. There is a charge for that for doing simulated, uh, you know, obviously the term child pornography that we don't necessarily use very much, but that's it's uh, still in our statutory language because it's in the law still. Yeah, so yeah, we, we just have haven't gotten updated to uh, CSAM our child sex abuse material, which we've talked about sort of exhaustively. So yep. as bad as I felt to. Uh, End the episode last week with, with that being part one. I, I thought we should do that just because this is a pretty lengthy, you know, uh, case and where it went and what transpired from there. And so, but don't despair. All of that was just in day one. Day one. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's crazy. Yeah. And this was a four month investigation. Four okay. Months. So if you're having to see him doing all of that on webcam and he's sending you these images and he's sending you photoshopped images on day one. This is what people don't know about this job, right? Is that it is 
a lengthy process and it yeah. it's like it takes a toll in the amount of time you have to see this stuff. Yeah, it's a daily grind. It's a daily, you know, exposure to this type of material. It gets exhausting at times, um, you know, for us to have to deal with this because it's not just a, an eight to five, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And we can shut it off and then go home and, right. um, you know, this is almost at times a 24 hour deal. And so, yeah, we'll probably spend some time in a future episode and just kind of go through quickly. Cause we don't want to, we're not sort of trying to gain sympathy for ourselves, but no. we will go through and maybe detail we asked for it. We did ask for it. We may <laughs> go through in detail, like, exactly what we have to do when we come across child sexual abuse material in a case and sort of the process for how we have to, you know, present that in court and stuff like that. So there's a lot of, of having to deal with it, but that's not this time. So keep going. Let's talk. Let me, let me pick back up. Yeah. So once, uh, I guess for you listeners, uh, we're at basically day two and, and we'll take this to a conclusion now. And so, Once day two kicked off, there was a lot of communications about, you know, meeting in real life by day two. And so there was lots of uh, questions that, you know, were brought up about, um, you know, where's your parents and what kind of jobs do they have and what are their schedules and how often are you by yourself and how are you going to get away if I'm able to come up there to see you and all of the things. And and I thought, well, man, this is rapid, you know, like we're really moving quickly. So Um, what I said in last week's episode about maybe he's going to say, I didn't really believe it was a 13 year old. And maybe that's his going to be his explanation as to why he's talking about very adult things and, hosiery and things like that and, right. and what he wants to see where and but now day two it's clear he thinks you're 13 yeah and there, because no he question. wouldn't have to address right the what's your mom going to say or how do you get not right. get caught and things like that yep and so i i essentially you know give him the answers that i give him related to that um and then he he just asked me sort of out of nowhere about how much money my mom makes which wow. i don't I don't know. Like I was like, I don't know where that's coming from. And so in my maybe ignorance or I don't know, I just said she makes pretty good shekels. And so when I said that word, um, did you have a freak out thinking like, why did I just put that? Cause I would at the time I didn't at the time I didn't, but as I, you know, prepared for this and I kind of was rereading thing, uh, re rereading things and, you know, getting ready to tell this story, I realized exactly how dumb that was for me to use a term like that. Uh, it's not dumb, but of course you think as now as an investigator, you're like, would a 13 year old say shekels? Yeah. And guess what he asked? Are you Jewish? Oh. And I said, Jewish? No. Well, I guess because he wanted to introduce the term adroitly to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, he just now is going to educate me about a shekel. Oh, and so, good. He says, because the term you use, shekels, is a Yiddish term. And I said, I don't know what a Yiddish means. I don't know what any of that is. And so he aptly tells me, shekel is any any of several ancient units of weight or of currency. The first usage from Mesopotamia around 3000 BC. Initially, it may have been referred to as a weight of barley. The first, sibyl, the first syllable, she, was... Acadian. Thank you. Acadian for barley. 
This shekel was about 180 grains, 11.5 grams, or 11 grams, or 0.35 troy ounces. That's the response I got for... Did you... Okay. Did you ever put these words into, like, Google to see if that's where he's getting this? Or do you think he's actually citing this from memory? Well, I I don't know if I discuss it later. I don't think I do, but um, it's a combination of both. It's him... Uh, giving me his opinion on certain things, like the the orgasmic conversation from last week, mm-hmm. um, I know came out of his mind uh, based on things that transpired later on in the case. Uh, but for other things, and he told me in the chat, he's like, Google's my friend. I go to Google and I type this and now I'm educating you and blah, blah, blah. And so I kind of dismiss everything like, oh, okay, whatever. I was like, I didn't know what it meant. I just heard a kid at school use it. And I thought it was funny. That's why I said it. <laughs> and so from this point forward. Now you can go back and tell that kid at school what yeah. exactly what it means. Right. And so from this point forward, I, I referred to Mr. Kane as the professor yes. because he seemed to um, thrive on that. Mm-hmm. He seemed to enjoy the fact that I, you know, recognized that he was smarter than me. Uh, maybe it was all part of this dominance and control and whatnot. The teacher role, though, the teacher role is one that we see, you're going to see, I, I think if you listen to our episodes long enough, you're going to see a theme. And teaching seems to be a theme that, that we get a lot, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's a very common denominator. Um, he did ask me for a photograph of my mom. And so... Another theme. and yeah. And... How did you, okay, so I tend to respond differently probably than you do to that question, but this is something that more than one offender, more than five offenders has asked, Yeah, like what your mom looked like. Right. You know, like maybe I'll get to you by going through your mom. Yes. Right? Yes, and that's the way I interpret most of the time because this is not the first time. I mean, this may have been one of the first times. I get offended by that. <laughs> You're not easily offended, I think. Yeah, it didn't. It doesn't. There's no sweat off of me. I just sent him a, a different uh, photograph that I use. Oh, Someone, so you showed him your mom? I showed him my mom. I'm always like, okay, fine. You can have my mom and stop messing, <laughs> you know, messing up my time. But, yeah. No, I I uh, I showed him a photo, and that's how you get more rings than I get. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got it down. I've I've been proposed to a few times, and you know, things that don't hate. That's no, all I can say. Is don't hate. I'm, I'm not mad. <laughs> Um, and so the next part I want to talk about, he, well, when I sent him the mom pick, he told me he could see, um, how I was as beautiful as I was. Oh, well, did you tell your mom, did you pass it on to your mom? I did. I passed it so along nice. to my mom and, and, uh, she, I will say, uh, was not very happy. Yeah, I can imagine. Anyway. So the very next thing I want to talk about, and again, if the kiddos are in the car, hit the mute button and wait until they get in the classroom. Oh, we didn't say that. You probably should have not been listening to this far without them being not present. That's probably a good point. Yeah. A little oversight on our part. We're sorry. We're sorry, children. Uh, but this next part, for sure, we do not want any any kiddos in earshot. So it was a very unforgiving moment um, for me. And it revolved around Mr. Kane and his webcam. And so he brought up a topic with me and his desire to teach me about this topic because this was a topic, 
this was something that he had a strong desire to do to me. And so the topic came up and he used a term called RIM, R-I-M, RIM. Okay. And so I, you know, sort of puzzled, said, I have no idea what that is or what you're talking about. Which is a reasonable response, right? Yeah. Because you shouldn't know about, I mean, right. we shouldn't know about it, but we right. do. Yeah. And so what I'm going to attempt to do in this next segment is paint a picture for you visually. Um, and there's no other real way for me to do it than to just do it. Again, we walk this fine line of trying to tell the story <laughs> the way it was told, the way it happened and yeah, not offend everyone. So I want you, if you're not driving and you're just listening to this, uh, I want you to close your eyes and just envision. Do we need to tell our moms to turn this off? <laughs> no. Okay, go no. ahead. No. Turn that up. I want you to I want you to hear this. <laughs> uh I want you to envision that a grown man is at his desk at home and that his elbows are on the table and that he is in front of his computer screen and his hands are up like with his chin resting on his hands. And everybody I think can envision that. And Mr. Kane, he's wearing a long sleeve shirt. His hair is combed quite perfectly, I might add. And so in my eyes, he's in rare professor form. He looks like he's about to dole out an education to me, and boy, is he, right? <laughs> and so he's making motions and he's talking with his hands. You know, he's a hand talker. And so while this is happening, a coworker of mine just happens to come in the office. <laughs> And he's standing behind me while this live webcam is being broadcast. And because there's no audio, well, there's audio coming from Mr. Kane's computer, but there's no audio on my end, obviously. That would sort of really ruin the moment, being a 13-year-old girl. Um, my coworker asks me, hey, like, what's going on? And I casually mention, because I rarely got visitors in my office, the guy who I took over for, like nobody even knew where his office was. So nobody went to visit, but I was of the opinion that misery loves company. And so why not? You've walked in, come on in, yeah. you know? And so I sort of tell him, this is what I'm about to get an education on. Oh, And so, so now he's educating too. Now he's going to educate too. He just okay. doesn't know it. And so basically my coworker suggests as this is going on that, why don't you ask him if he'll just demonstrate for you? And I said, well, oh, that's an idea. And so I do. And I say something along the lines of, uh, can you show me what you're talking about? Cause I'm, I'm not understanding. And that was words that I could never get back. <laughs> you can't unspeak. <laughs> can't unspeak. I rang the bell and it cannot be unrung. Was he happy to demonstrate this for you? He was ecstatic. He really? got this smile on his face that went from earlobe to earlobe. He immediately, and I mean immediately, he stands up and he begins to unbuckle his pants. And you said, dear God, what have we done? <laughs> and I'm growing extremely nervous at the time. His pants and drawers are down before you know it. And, uh, and I'm scared. I'm very scared what's yeah. happening. And so... He does a 180 where he's standing in front of his desk and he knocks over something like a cup of coffee or water or something like that. 
and it spills all over because all I hear is, oh shit. And then he literally, he runs, well, he can't run because his pants and underwear around his ankles. He waddles like a penguin. Waddle, 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 waddle. And he goes into what looks to be a kitchen, comes back, waddle, 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 waddle with these paper towels, and he's mopping up whatever it, whatever it is. He just dumped all over his keyboard. No, no, no. He didn't dump it. <laughs> no. How did he knock it over? No. Oh, okay. Okay. So he knocked it over. Okay. So no. he didn't knock it over that way. You can't make this up, though. Man, that's you went way we far both, right. We both turned a bright shade of red. Oh, my gosh. So he, he waddles with his pants around his ankles. Like in a very fast motion. Something like you'd see a, your little kid in a diaper when, they, you know, like, a, like little tiny baby steps. Uh, and how do you recover from that? That is a that is something you don't recover easily from, right? Yeah, that was what I found was happening was my my coworker basically was trying to leave and I'm like, "Oh no, oh hell no." <laughs> Slam. You, Slam the door. You walked into this. I was like, "You asked for this." You, yeah, that's your coworker saying, "Have him demonstrate." Exactly. Oh yeah, for and, sure. And so I'm like, "Nope, you get to stick around and watch the rest of this." And so so he cleans up. He cleans everything up. up. He gets back. Now he's you know naked, right? Um, and he's like no longer around his ankles. <laughs> no, they're still around his ankles. Oh, okay. And he's like, let's get back to the lesson. And oh. um, at that point, you know, again, my coworker is trying everything he can to get out of there. And so I'm like, no, you get to suffer through this. And so um, I, I'm going to be gentle about what I say because what happened next was likely the most vile thing. One of two of the most vile things I've ever, ever seen um, in real life. And so it involved um, a device, like a sexual device, and his backside, and it was horrific. Horrific. And so... And your coworker and you now need therapy. Yeah. Well, the worst part is after it's finished, because part of the education part of the rim meant there was some very descriptive terminology he was using about massaging this area softly, gently in a circular motion with his fingers, which he was demonstrating live prior to this device being brought into play. And I, I mean, I, if you can see what I'm doing right now, like my, my hands are in front of my eyes. I was shielding my own eyeballs uh, from, you know, being burned out of their sockets watching. And your coworker. Uh, I made him watch. I was like, Hey, <laughs> let me know what happens. <laughs> Tell me when it's over. <laughs> how do you, how do you recover from this? Oh, wait, but I got to tell you what oh, else he did. But of so he does this. And so then he sits back down in the chair. His pants and everything are still down. And he's very, very, very happy. Now he's back to elbows on the table, hands together, holding his chin. And his finger is like right here. The offending finger is like, uh, what, what, what do you call this? Frenulum or the, what's the... What? Let's just say the part right under your nose. The part under your nose is his offending finger. The one is that's just been inside. 
yes, the other side is under his nose and he is smiling like like nobody's business and and I thought after speed bag it couldn't get worse <laughs> but we have taken it to a new low I'm sick I'm like everybody that knows me knows I have a very yes. big problem with smells and uh, so much so that I, Tony has a very, uh, very reactive gag reflex to smells. Yes, it's it yeah. is off the chain. And I, you know what I was doing? I was sitting in my desk uh, gagging, yeah, dry heaving and and whatnot. And so I, I'll be very honest with you. I was so sort of <laughs> decimated by that, like that was so far off of what I was expecting. Um, like I stopped talking to him. <laughs> he got a seasoned ICAC detective. It was terrible. So grossed out that you didn't talk to him. Yeah. For how long? Close to two weeks. Close to two weeks. And did he wonder where his 13-year-old yep. child had gone? Yes, he did. And now this will uh, kind of bring it full circle for our listeners because spring break happened. And remember, we've discussed an episode already called airport antics that took place over spring break. And so my main purpose for really curbing him was because I had one already on the line that was about to happen. Oh, you had to go to Las Vegas. I had the the Vegas case. And so uh, that was one reason, not that I was opposed to, uh, you know, curbing this guy. So traumatized that you couldn't speak. Well, there was lots of help. There was lots of talk around the station after that, because obviously my coworker, you know, went and told everybody. Well, I can imagine what just happened, and so then not only do we get barraged with things from coworkers as it is, uh, that certainly didn't help matters very much. And so, essentially, I guess for you, the listener, you, you, we need to put it in the context or make sure you understand. Like, we get into these cases; they're not the only cases we work. We still have many, many, many other irons in the fire, so to speak. And so sometimes they get prioritized. If something obviously hands-on comes in, we have to jump and handle that first versus, uh, you know, the professor wanting to educate me about rimming and everything else. So Yeah, we have a lot of stuff going on at the same time. So it's not like the professor's the only thing that you right. have to deal with. I would occasionally, like he was, he was hitting me every day, you know, for communications. And then essentially I would give him a tidbit like – I don't know. I said maybe I said I was grounded, or you know, we were gone on spring break, or something like that. But once we kick back off, um, he doesn't even bat a high. It's just like we're back in the game. Everything is just like it was before. He's had no one to teach while you were gone. Uh, clearly not. I'm glad um, to have you back. So he mentions to me that he's going to be driving through North Texas and through the North Texas area. Um, you know, coming up fairly quick. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And so he begins to tell me this whole story about how he bought a cottage up in the Northeast part of the United States and that he was going to be driving a car, pulling a trailer full of furniture to this place in the Northeast. And that, uh, he was going to basically use that furniture to furnish this cottage. And then he planned on, you know, obviously leaving the car there so that he has a car while he's there and he was going to fly back home. And so during his road trip, um, the professor told me that, hey, I got to have lunch. I'm going to be in the area in North Texas. Why don't we try to get together? And I'm like, 
okay. All right. I'm down with that. And so um, he said, basically, hey, I could stop in person and give you an in-person lesson about some of these things. So nice. Yeah. So nice. He's a giver. He That's is. what he is. He's a giver. So what did this lesson include? What, what was he going to teach you? Well, it was going to begin with a complete full round of oral sex. Um, and then it was going to be followed by some really deviant um, sexual exploits uh, to educate me about real love and real sexual prowess. That's that's the term he used, prowess. I said, I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very adroitly. And I wasn't prepared. very adroit. Yeah, my, my response wasn't so adroit. I don't know how this is scary. Like it should, I would hope, scare anyone, but particularly our parents out there that if this kid really were a child who didn't know better yeah. and had been manipulated into believing this guy was safe, this right. guy's going to do some pretty, pretty out there stuff and dangerous yep. stuff, right? Yeah. His next uh, question to me was if I would be okay if he took a few non-incriminating pictures during these sex acts. Um, and then he said pictures that could not be traced to either of us. Now, I know because we deal with these guys all the time. I know what he means. But for our listeners who don't, he's saying he wants something that you can't identify either them the picture because it's only going to be like lower half. Yes. Probably. No faces. No faces. No faces. So he wants to take and basically make child sexual abuse material. Produce child pornography. That's what he is uh, asking to do. Right. And... Uh, while that's not uncommon, we get that request fairly frequently. Yep. Um, and so, essentially, the meeting and and I know that we've started at day two, but we are we are nearing the the close of time on this case. And and the reason I'm jumping so far ahead is because everything between day two and now, uh, other than the couple weeks that I ghosted him, um, has been everything that. You know, I can't expose sexualized. it. Yeah, yeah. Very, very sexualized. We've, we've walked the line badly so far, so you're afraid to go over that line again. And, and I'm telling you, these are the cleanest versions of things I can tell yeah. you. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah, when we talk about these cases, sometimes we like it's easier to do in front of a law enforcement audience because they're used yeah. to seeing and hearing some of this stuff. Right. But then the general public, we have to clean it way up. So, yeah, so... Keep Sorry. going. Where? How does this thing wrap up? So a couple of days before the meeting, he begins to inquire about where I live. He wants my phone number. And so I think it's important to know, like, every bit of our, our this case took place in instant message on, um, you know, on the Yahoo platform. And webcam. And webcams. Absolutely. And so we exchange phone numbers, and then he basically sets up you know, this designated meeting time. And so he begins to sort of express like most of them do. They're a little bit of their fears. And I've, I've got a quote. He said, I totally do not want to get in any trouble. I could land in jail and I've had visions of the police scooping me up as I walk up to your apartment. Very, very forward thinking. Like Nostradamus, man. Yeah. <laughs> he knows what's coming. But, you know, that's amazing to me. Like, because they we get this a lot. And I, you're going to hear an episode here in the near future that I talk about this where the suspects often try to 
back out or they, you know, like, yeah. oh, I'm not sure. And they kind of question. And some of them are just, they're ready to go. But some of them are really having this moment yeah. of clarity where they're like, you know, I could really get in a lot of trouble. And they've done horrible things up until this point. But yeah. so what's what do you think differentiates between the horrible things up until this point that he's done for this kid? What What's different now about the meeting in person? Yeah, the only thing I can sort of equate it to is is when everything's happening online in that online environment, it's anonymous. As real as it is, it's anonymous to them, and it's not the real deal. But to cross that line, to make that substantial step, yeah, um, to drive four hours, four plus hours, but they do it, and they do it all the time. Yeah, uh, I mean that is when we we do see a lot of hesitancy a lot of oh maybe we'll just meet for dinner this time or maybe we'll just go to a movie or maybe we'll just do this or maybe i'll just drive by and wave and i'll get you on the way back or you know whatever a lot of yeah a lot of fear sets in as to how real this is and in his case mr kane knew exactly what might happen and so i fully expected him to request like a phone call or some sort of validation i i really truly anticipated that and was planning for that but um, he never asked. And so he was then, his bigger concern was, where am I going to park my car? Because I'm pulling a trailer. And I'm like, can you pull a trailer with a car? Like, I, I don't even know that, are you allowed to do that? And, and Don't he, make him send you an encyclopedia yeah. res- referencing how a car can pull I was actually hoping for a photograph of his car with his trailer. That would have yeah, been nice. That would have been better. But he tells me, he says, I have an aerial view of your your area. I need to know where to park. And so... Wasn't this before Google Earth? Well, no, I think it was probably around, but Google Maps for sure was oh, probably okay. around. But yeah. um, so I kind of give him the spiel, hey, this is where it's at, and this is where I think you could put it, and no problem. And and so we get set for the day of, right? And um, of course, you know, we have all kinds of folks out, all dressed up, ready to dance, and um, he shows up. Our outer marker guys they pick him up and they're like hey we got him i mean it's really not too difficult to find a toyota oh, corolla pulling yeah. a trailer it was actually a honda accord oh okay and, and How so do you even know? a little honda accord pulling a trailer <laughs> full of furniture you know and so um he makes the u-turn and he and i gotta ask what they're probably all thinking all of our listeners are probably thinking was he kicked out of home and that's why he's going up to this cottage no he was being truthful he really was being honest okay. he really he really did buy a a home up there, like a summer home. Um, nice. Yeah. And so that'll make a little more sense here when we get to the closer. But uh, he pulls up, he parks exactly where he knew he was going to park and where he had been instructed to park. And he does that and he gets out and he's a big dude. I mean, he's like six foot six. He's, you know, 375, 400 pounds. He's a big dude. Did he look that big on webcam? No, he didn't. That's what threw me. I'm like, what the heck? Who is this guy? Like, I'm. But I immediately recognized him, you know. Okay, so it was it was him. Yes. The same one from webcam. Just yep, the same camera guy. took off. Perfectly coiffed hair. And uh, he, he certainly was definitely the same guy. And so he gets arrested. No problems, nothing. You know, we uh, get him out of there pretty quickly. Get him down to the jail. And um, I go have a chat with him later. So uh, another round of firsts that happened for me was this was the first case that I used the seizure laws and that allows us 
um, when someone commits a felony in this type of a crime, that uh, property used to commit that crime can be seized is subject to seizure. And so he had a car and a trailer full of furniture and all kinds of stuff. And so that was definitely a first for me of being able to do that. But did he I, talk to you? Yeah. I go to the jail. I uh, pull him out, take him to a recorded room. We go through Miranda. No problem. He waves his rights. And he basically, he has, you know, verbal diarrhea for me. Like he just vomits all over the table with all of his sins. Now, wait, they're going to think he really vomited. He did no, not he really just vomit. told everything. Verbal diarrhea only. Yes. So he, uh, he tells me everything. And so we go through all kinds of stuff. Um, he admitted to the teaching of and the encyclopedia references. And all of it. All of Every it. bit of it. Webcam. Webcam, uh, the CSAM that he sent, uh-huh. where he got it. He dove into his history of um, how long he's been collecting CSAM material, really? which in our experience we know is a lot. People will do that for a lot right. uh, or for a very long period of time, rather. And so uh, the other thing that that I learned is he told me what his job was, and he does you know this software engineering sort of stuff for factories and whatnot. What I found out was that he – he was a very uh, intelligent guy, and he was a very fairly wealthy guy. His home was about 7,000 square feet. Um, he had some proprietary things that he had created and developed that were in use, which I guess provided him with a fairly sizable income. And so his concern was, you know, hey, what's going to happen at my house and I was like, well, you know, wheels are in motion, and I got guys ready to do a search warrant there. And you so, said, I've handled this whole situation very adroitly, I do. and we're prepared for <laughs> I it. I should have, <laughs> but that would that would uh, beg the question the listeners might have, which is, does he know that I'm the 13-year-old? And the answer is no. Yeah, I don't tell him. I let him find out later on. I never tell him. And why? Why don't we tell him? Well, we well, I learned this from you actually. Yeah, they actually tend to tell us more of the truth uh, if they believe that we are not the thirteen-year-old that there is a real thirteen-year-old that they've been yep. talking to. Um, because if it's just us, I think in their mind, well, it's just I've been caught in a sting and they know right. everything. So I'm. But if it's a real kid, there is a real kid who's afraid. There's a real yep. parent who's afraid, and. You know, people look very badly on that kind of stuff yeah. that you were going to show up and rape a child. And so they're very apologetic oftentimes to the family and to the child. Yeah. Um, so it's just one of the, the things that we try and. Yeah. I've do. even used it to have them write a letter of apology yeah. uh, to the victim. And um, a lot of them have, uh, you know, and that that's great. They get it off their chest and feel better about themselves. But. One of Mr. Kane's plus it's ish. a real reality breaker when they see Tony's face and he says, "I'm the 13 year old you've been masturbating for." Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's, I, you know the one thing I didn't mention, which I think probably it just popped in my head um, as a remembrance, like he had initially when we were first starting and there was a webcam issue, and he asked if I had a webcam, and I was like, "Yeah, I have a webcam," and so he's like, "Well, turn it on," and so I did have a webcam which was colored on with marker and a piece of tape and like get dirt all over it. And so it used to sit 
in a very dark little place under my desk. And so when I plugged it in, I would wave my fingers in front of it and I'd say, Hey, I'm here. And you could like, it's very just dirty, gross. Couldn't tell what it was. Couldn't tell what it was. And he's like, it's not working. I'm like, Oh, what's wrong with it? Anyway. But then he was so nice to bring you a webcam. Yes, he did. He brought a webcam for me. He brought a, you know, some digital cameras to, um, take those non non incriminating pictures. Yeah. And so he, he brought plenty of that. But one of the things that he mentioned in the interview that, um, you know, sort of threw me big time was the size of the collection of CSAM material that he had. And so he guesstimated, guesstimated only, and he said more likely it would be far more, but he said, I, I believe I have a million plus images as a collection at of home just see sam of just see sam and so he we walk through this whole process where do you get it and all of the things that follow with that and what do you do with it where do you store it and he stored it on cd's cd's oh what a terrible <laughs> thing to have to go through <laughs> yeah well i mean this was quite a while ago so but I, 2009 or 10 and you're having to go through a million images of CSAM on cd yeah How did you do that? Well, let me tell you how that happened. (laughs) And so his concern was that we didn't destroy his house because of his family being there. Um, He ran a business. There was businesses that were run out of the home. And so he did not want to, um, you know, have his family go through a big process with the police. And so he very nicely drew me a map. He's like, hey, this is where it's at. If you go here to this part of my house, there's a false um, panel. He said, you move the false panel. There's a big cavity behind there. Behind that cavity is you're going to see th- probably three or five um, towers of CDs. Yeah. And he said, every one of them is full, chock full. Which is another little point we should talk about, I guess. Uh, the hiding <laughs> of the CSAM um, that our offenders do in their homes and things like that. So You've probably seen canines on TV that sniff out drugs and canines that sniff out all sorts of illegal things. And there are canines who sniff out electronic uh, storage devices. Yes. And they can sniff out things like USBs and hard drives and SD cards just to find where CSAM is being hidden in the home. If any of our listeners um, are unaware, but there is a very kind of famous case and guy, Jared Fogle, who used to be the subway guy. Remember the big giant fat guy that lost all the weight and he was eating like footlongs or whatever. I don't think we're allowed to say that. Oh, so he yeah, was, I think we are. he it's was public news a little bit larger and now he's somewhat. Smaller. Oh, I can't say. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, Sorry. We can maybe, but yeah. So yeah. Anyway, the Fogel case, the uh, electronic service dog was uh, very prominent in that case. And Cause so, they used the dog to sniff yeah. out all of his hidden child yep. sexual abuse material. Yep stored on devices, right? Yep, absolutely. And so um, on the trip, his road trip to the, the Northeast and his little stopover, one of the devices that was in his car, um, after a forensic review, he had over 157,000 images on that alone. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I guess that was going to be material he would just leave in in his cottage for his, you know, whatever. He so was. If, he has a, if he's guessing he has a million files then do you just assume there's going to be more than that yeah i i think that most of the times like inherently they you know 
tell us about half yeah. truths. So, so just like last time when we said that, you know, this person said they had had sex with someone who was barely 18, we just probably assume yeah. that that person was not 18 yeah. yet. And so what happened from this point is I requested the assistance of another agency to assist me with this courtesy interview with a nice, beautiful hand drawing of where the material was going to be. They were more than happy to help me out. Um, it was a couple guys that I had talked to and, and uh, worked with. So another on, agency outside of your own? Yes. Okay. And so warrants were drawn up and the warrant was executed. The evidence was found exactly where um, the map led them to. Right. Um, and it's then that the case took a slight turn because within a couple of days of that, I got the call that, hey, we found everything. We have this. And I was like, okay, hey, I'll be headed that way tomorrow. I'll pick everything up. We'll be good to go. And they're like, well, we're not going to give you the material. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> and they said, well, technically, he would have been in possession of this material in our jurisdiction, not yours. And I'm like, okay, technically, but you had no idea about the material. You wouldn't until, have found it. Yeah, you wouldn't have had a clue about the material until I gave you very, a map. Very relevant to your case. Very relevant. Since he's been sending it. Including the computer, which they refused to they give me the computer that he's been communicating with you on and all the webcam, all of that. And yeah. that agency refused to give they it refused to, to give it to me. And, and I'm not even going to lie. Like, um, I went through a moment like a, uh, I lost my shit. Yeah. Um, in a, in a bad way. And so I was quickly being told by these guys who I knew, I knew them. Like I physically have met them in real life and knew them, worked a previous case with them and everything was great. And they're quickly telling me, Hey man, it's not us. It's not us. It's, you know, we we're Indians, <laughs> not chiefs. We work for other people and blah, 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 blah. And, uh, I said, look, I get it, but this is my case. I was like, I need the material. I need the evidence. And so lo and behold, I didn't get it. I had, I did eventually get the computer, but that took a federal prosecutor to make a phone call wow. to another federal prosecutor. Um, we try to work together. We try to work nicely with each other, but sometimes, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it was, I was, I would, I, was ne I would personally never do that as, and yeah, I can see that. Oh man. That would be a, that would be a very frustrating. Thing I can't even me. begin to tell you. I was I was nine kinds of mad. I think Tony's holding back, so we'll just let him hold back and not yeah. give you the agency's info. Oh yeah, no, I'm not doing that. I mean, I'm not that mad. I'm over it now. It's only been and, ten years. Yeah, and I and I've run into those guys in person since. And let me tell you, the first one was um, it was eventful. I was in rare form. As <laughs> soon as we took a break, I was like, "Oh, hey, you, come on over here. We need to have a talk." And so we sort of, it's water under the bridge and it's, you know, we're laughing about it now. And I laugh about it with them now because I do still know those guys. Um, but anyway, the case ended up going, he was, he had a multiple count indictment that went federal. Um, six counts, I believe is the initial deal, um, which ranged a number of things in the range, but uh, ultimately he the simulated, simulated being one. Um, obviously his, his plethora of CSAM material that he brought with him to the meet, uh, the things that he shared and all of those sorts of things. Did the fact that he was going to produce CSAM play in at all, or was that one of the I think charges? It's, I, it was, 
I think it was part one of, of it. part of it. it. Like it was all sort of encompassing. Right. And so ultimately uh, the prosecution ended on the federal side um, with his agreements to plead guilty. And he received a, a 25 and a half year sentence federally federally. Oh, that's great. And yeah. so that was a good hit. That was a, that was really pretty fantastic. Well, based on how dangerous he ha- has been and was in this case, then yeah, 25 and a half years is probably not enough to keep him away from yeah. kids. And so, you know, for me, the couple of takeaways from the, from this entire investigation really are a few, um, you know, number one was, I was soured on ever asking another agency to help me. Yeah. <laughs> I hate to say that. It's tough too, because and we talked about it in the airport antics case. It's tough to have to rely on another agency. If they're out of state or another, if it's a pretty far away jurisdiction, then yeah, you're kind of stuck with having to ask. Um, and that's bad because you're having to rely on someone else, but right. also you're asking someone else to have to do work. I can guarantee no investigator sitting there saying, I need more work to do. So we're right. asking them to do more work on our behalf. But yeah, so that that's a lesson that you learned. Yeah. with And this would have been close enough, this agency, that you could have gone and done the search warrant yourself. I could have. I mean, it obviously it, it um, you know, would have taken some time and effort, but... In the long run, I should have. You've now done it. I, yeah. I, I do that today versus what I didn't do then. Yeah. Um, the other part that I took away from this was the the graphic webcam fiasco that I, you know, so uh, made so aware to everybody that listened and is now traumatized with me. Uh, I learned, like, to be very, very cautious about that in the future, but it did help me, like, in regards to identifying and making affirmative links to my guy because uh, I could see, you know, the, especially when he knocked over the water and everything and he waddled off and I could see the framed photos on the wall and the house and all these sort of things. And, and, um, the other thing I learned about was the seizure process. I had no idea really about how that worked. And so that was an educational part for me. And then the very last part of it is I learned what a proffer is on the federal side. And a proffer is basically when a person that is, charged and convicted of a crime says, Hey, I'd like to come and give you some information to help, help myself out. Um, so I want to kind of give you a bigger fish kind of a deal. And so I'd never really knew what that was or experienced that. And, uh, because on the state side, we don't have that. Did he give you a bigger fish? No, he didn't. But it was very interesting because we, (laughs) while I was, it's a very anticlimactic part of the story. Well, the, the sort of the interesting thing that came out of it was, um, you know, how it happens. And so you, you meet in a room and it's this Mr. Kane with his attorney and with the federal agency that you've partnered with and with me and with the federal prosecutor. And then there's this conversation of whatnot. And so he really had nothing of any substantial value to, to help um, in the case. Uh, but what was kind of comical I think it was kind of comical was we talked about the seizure process and how the car and the trailer and all this stuff. And then it was thrown on the table by the partnering federal agency. Like, Hey, I think we're going to seize the house, you know? And I'm like, Ooh, like that's a, that's a swing for the fence, you know, like 7,000 square foot house. And I'm like, are we allowed to do that? And, and while we were allowed to do that, we, obviously opted not to do that. Yeah, that's, I mean, his poor family has no idea he's doing this stuff and they would have to be the one that pay the price for that, huh? 
and yep. they're already paying the price. So. Yep. Well, that wraps up Mr. Kane, and thank you for <laughs> sticking with us on that one. Uh, that I apologize. Know, we may have lost some people on this one. Well, I hope not. I hope not too. But um, we are again trying to. This was the clean version. So it, yeah, that, that that was the cleaned up version. That is the sad part about this. But uh, check us out on. All of the places you get your podcasts, you can check us out on our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and you can check us out at our website, Tony. Yep. Catfishcops.com, www. And if you go to the catfishcops.com slash resources, we have a bunch of different resources that have been um, allowed for, to use on uh on our site by the Carly Ryan foundation. We point you to some victim resources. If you need them, we point you to some child protection agencies that are also um, fighting this fight and doing it really well. And they have some really great resources. And so we're always um, really happy to share the work that those agencies are doing and really just make shout outs for them um, for doing what they do. Uh, They're, they're great at what they do. So thank you for joining us. Please, please join us in the future. Um, on the next episode of Catfish Cops, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, y'all.